0: Hey guys, are you one of the many fathers with sons who have lamented the fact that we've lost a sense of what it means to be a man in the church and in the world today? And also we've lost rites of passage for sons to become men. I would love to be able to come out and talk to the men of your church on rites of passage, building sons into men. The Bible teaches that God has created men to worship, work, protect, provide, lead, and love. And what I've done is built these rites of passages in a malleable way. So you can take these adopt them, or change them to suit your church or your particular son so they can have a clear vision of what manhood is and how to get there. If you would like me to come for a seminar or conference, please reach out to me and we can work out the details. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our King, Jesus. everybody hope you're doing well today thanks so much for joining us want to remind you of a couple things before we get going sons and slaves podcast if you've not yet discovered that we have that going on with my sons and what we're talking about is a book called boyhood and beyond and the whole process of the sons and slaves is just raising sons into men. And a part of that is going through good books like we're going through with Boyhood and Beyond. And we're just taking chap- chapter by chapter and uh, having conversations about it and uh, just having a really good time. We'd love for you to check out the Sons and Slaves podcast. And also, just want to remind you about Fruitful and Fearless. Fruitful and Fearless is going really well. It's been a little bit hit or miss when Jordan's getting an episode out. But if you have your wife or your uh, ladies from your church that need some good content, then would love for you to pass that information along. Jordan's doing a great job with Fruitful and Fearless as that continues to to go and if you want to be a part of the membership you heard it in the ad but would love for you to have uh, an opportunity to get them the newsletter once a month and all the stuff that comes with membership if you want in on that just let me know well i have a repeat guest today and i'm excited i saw an instagram video or picture the other day of a nice buck that my buddy tate taylor shot so we're gonna hear the story tate how's it going man
1: good how are you jared
0: I'm doing fantastic. Well, we go ahead and pray and can't wait to hear all about it. And I'm going to tell a couple of stories of my hunting season. It wasn't nearly as good as yours from what I can see, but uh, <laughs> we're going to have fun having a good conversation. Let's pray. Father, yeah. we thank you for this time and we ask for blessing upon this conversation. Thank you for the gift that is being able to provide. Thank you for your command two men to provide for those that are around us and the great opportunity we have to be able to do that through hunting. is just a lot of fun. Thank you that provision can be just a really good time. Pray that this would be a fun conversation. And uh thank you that, that, that Tate got to get a, such a nice buck this year and looking forward to hearing the story. I ask for blessing upon it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, you're on, I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago. I can't remember now. It kind of all runs together, but I would love to hear just about your hunting season and bring us up to speed. If I mean, if you got any does or anything, but we, we saw this really nice. I want to know if it's your, it was your target buck, you've been watching it, or uh, I'm assuming you got it with your bow, maybe you got it with your gun, but just uh, bring us up to speed about this buck.
1: So this hunting season has been uh, pretty sparse for me. Uh, I've got a little boy. He's a year and a half, so pretty, pretty full with him. Uh, my wife actually has her own uh, bookkeeping business that she runs out of our home. So she's full uh, full time at the house, but she does part time work, and so uh, we're we've pretty much got our hands full for the most part. The last couple of hunting seasons have been pretty slow for me. Uh, it's it's a whole lot of like slowing down in my work truck on the way to and from work to like look at deer in the in the woods on. the well, know, I get like,
0: it, there's, there's your you scouting. Know.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's that's most of what I what I would consider my hunting season, but. Um, this particular situation is a really cool one. Um, I have a friend that I grew up with and went through uh, school together first through 12. Our families have known each other forever, um, grew up in church with her. And uh, anyways, we've been friends my whole life. And uh, she met a guy uh, her first year at university. And um, they got married not too long after. And um unbeknownst to her she had never hunted before never been into it lived in rural east texas her whole life just like just like me and uh, never gotten into it but his family is a big hunting family and they have uh, a little more um, weight to throw around when it comes to things like this so they own a a high fence ranch down in the central texas uh south of austin area which is kind of kind of renowned for growing really big deer um anyways and, uh, anyways, they've, uh, her family now, um, has had this ranch for, I believe over 25 years. Okay. And, um, how many acres? So I want to say it's around 4,000 acres. Okay. Something yeah. like that. Nice. Um, multiple different pastures. They've got a bunch of different species out there, but the deer specifically whitetail are, uh, world-class they're, mm. they're giants. Um, so anyways, sh- through her husband and her father-in-law, she really got into hunting and figured out that she loved it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, she's been trying to, uh, we've been down there before. This is the second year that I've killed down there. Um, but it's, it's hard to kind of work out the schedule, uh, you know, during the holidays and all that good stuff to get down there this year, we were able to do it. And, uh, we got to go spend three days with them and hang out. And, uh, essentially what I get to do when I go down there is, and I've been surprised both times and just been super blessed to get to do what we've done, but mm-hmm. I get to go down there and kill stuff that just needs to be kind of gotten rid of. Um, okay. they have state state, um, demanded basically like, uh, like they have quotas to meet essentially. Okay. Gotcha. Um, they have a certain number of deer and certain number of tags that they have to kill. And, um, most of the time it's family and friends and, you know, business partners, that kind of thing that get to go down there and, and hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are like, you know, way at the back of the train, which we're happy to be included mm-hmm. at all. But, um, essentially we go down there and we kill what they call coal bucks. So bucks that they don't want to stay in their gene pool, mm-hmm. um, that have reached a mature age and they, they want to get rid of, uh, I get to kill those or your spikes or, or dough or whatever. Um, this particular trip uh we're riding around it's it's pretty nasty weather in okay. well for us in texas right now and uh it was really foggy pretty cold so what you know like 62
0: and... 68 degrees and
1: uh a little bit of rain <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly no it was uh it was in uh you know like mid 30s low 40s <laughs> okay and uh and raining and, and uh it actually does get cold here uh periodically It just doesn't last for very long okay um but uh But yeah, we granted we're we're not real uh, we're not real tough about the cold here. Uh, (laughs) Especially after the summer that we had this past year, everybody's used to it being 110. So when it gets cold, everybody's freezing to death. But we're kind of we're kind of rolling around trying to figure out where we're gonna go. Uh, And I was with their ranch manager and then uh, my friend that I mentioned, and um, trying to figure out where we're gonna sit, what we're gonna look for, and uh, we come across this deer standing 30 yards off the road. And, uh, you see them pretty often, but they're still, I mean, they're still deer, like they yeah, run off, right. they don't stay hanging around, you know? Yeah. Um, and this guy just kind of stood there and we stood there and looked at him. We sat there and looked at him for a little bit. We're looking at him through our binoculars, trying to figure out, you know, what he looks like and how old we think he is trying to age and all that good stuff. And he's just kind of chilling and mm-hmm. that's kind of odd. Um, but not, not a deer that was on the menu for me, not a deer that I was you know, going to be allowed to kill. Mm-hmm. and uh qu- quite a bit too big and okay. um so anyways we we pull off and the deer never moves and this ranch manager is like the wheels start turning you can see it and i'm watching him and he's like that just seems weird to me like anyways he he pulls a u-turn and we we turn around and he kind of noses his truck in close to this deer and we're looking at it and he could tell that it's not standing with its full weight on both of its feet okay it kind of spooks and when it runs off, we can see that its front shoulder is is pretty tore up, and it's not putting any weight on that okay. front leg. Gotcha. So it's injured injured pretty badly, not able to run well. And um, they're tough. I mean, this deer was – Oh, heck yeah. yeah. This deer in particular was just obnoxiously tough. Um, but he he's not about to go down on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't want – we have – massive coyote issues which I, i'm sure most people in north america do but yeah um you know if, if you leave him there something's gonna get him and it's not gonna be the people who you know have taken care of the property and are there to harvest these deer so mm-hmm. um you're kind of you're kind of letting this this resource fall away no one gets to eat the meat mm-hmm. um you don't get to get yeah. the antlers all that good stuff so <laughs> this turns from a hey that's a really cool deer that i could never have the opportunity to shoot to like people are turning and looking at me like you think you can get a good shot on him? So wait, you got a
0: gun, you get, now you got your gun or you got a bow out there?
1: Yeah, we had rifles. Um, okay. uh, I would love to get to the point where I am trusted enough mm-hmm. to, sh- to hunt with my bow on this property. Um, but bow? we're not quite there yet. So okay, gotcha. maybe someday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, uh, I had a, I had a 308 and, uh, so, I jump out of the truck and I'm trying to get a good shot on this thing. He's standing right at the brush line. Uh, it's real thick cedar brush down there. They don't get very tall. They'll get mm-hmm. like ten or fifteen feet tall, but okay. it's just thick. And so he runs off about sixty yards away and is and is quartered away hard. Um, I can see his right his right side just barely, and I'm like leaning on this guy's flatbed with my rifle, trying to <laughs> trying to get a good shot, you know, and like awkward position. Everything's wet. And, uh, and obviously I, for people who haven't hunted, not everyone's this way, but for me, like buck fevers, a real thing. Oh, heck yeah, dude. That's when it goes from gosh, like you go from sitting there cool as a cucumber looking at this deer who is a giant, like in my book, um, Mm -hmm. I'm going, wow, like that's really impressive. And like, but it's not nerve wracking to sit there and look at it. But as soon as somebody goes, you Think you can take a good shot on him, like all of a sudden, you're just like shaking, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, oh no, oh no, oh no. And so, anyways, I'm trying to keep my composure, and uh, anyways, uh, made a shot, he bucked and uh, kicked real high with his back feet. Um, for sure, it looked like I hit him, and uh, so we kind of piled the truck, and all of this happens in like a matter of two minutes, you know? Okay, gotcha. we go from like trying to figure out what we're going to do for the next couple of days to like shooting at a deer that I never thought I would have a chance to shoot at. Mm -hmm. So it was like very quick turnaround and I'm like, you know, adrenaline dump. I'm like, you know, taking deep breaths, like trying to figure out exactly (laughs) what just happened. Yeah. And, um, so anyways, uh, my friend is like, all right, how long do we have to wait to go like, look for this thing? And I'm like, Man, like, I feel like maybe we should wait a little bit. But mm-hmm. ranch manager's with us. He's been doing this for a long time. He's an older gentleman and uh, been doing this his whole life. And so I'm like, man, I'm gonna defer to your judgment on, mm-hmm. you know, right. what do you want to do? He was like, the way he kicked, it looked like, it looked like a good shot. Like we're gonna walk over there and find him. Uh huh. And so, uh, anyways, we walk over to this spot. We find blood immediately, and uh, we try. We start tracking him through the brush. Um, and pop out into a clearing maybe 40 yards later, and he's bedded down in that clearing. Okay. Um, apparently, the the wound to his shoulder was bad enough where he just didn't want to move much. Okay. He was, he was comfortable in that area. He just got out of our sight and then laid down. Uh-huh, um, right. And so he laid down in some really tall switchgrass, and so we can see, like, neck up, you know and he's looking at us but it's gonna be hard to take another shot and now it's freestanding uh-huh. so yeah. understanding we, we, we didn't have sticks um just a freestanding shot with his rifle long story short i i didn't make a good shot uh the second shot it was a little low mm-hmm. and so i hit i hit right underneath him i was trying to, to punch one through the grass and, and go ahead and take him out and uh didn't make a good shot which is mm-hmm. my fault and i'm then i beat myself up for 24 hours about it but yeah right he jumps up and run off and we chase him and uh he got away from us and we saw where he 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 hit a fence line and went down it and down yeah. there they they always clear all the fence lines by you know 30 yards on each side just so you have a, a place to drive mm-hmm. so he hits this fence line he's running down it we see where he goes but it's really foggy it's still kind of raining a little bit and uh he had picked up another deer that we definitely couldn't take a shot down there without mm-hmm. risking um, hitting this other deer. So uh, we decided to back off at that point and uh, we ended up going and riding around and doing some other stuff, looking at some other things, which I wish I could like put photos on the screen right because these deer are giants, yeah,
0: like big. just hold, huge. Hold that thought real quick because I bet they look like this. So same kind of thing in our area, about 45 minutes from us. I want you to look at this if you can see on the screen here. Like this is yes. called Samson's mountain and they've got typical and non-typical whitetail yes. and elk that are just, I mean, mind-blowingly huge. Yes. They're talking 300 pound deer with, you know, 215 inch, you know, right. Yeah. Mean, just unbelievable. So yes. if it's anything like this, I can imagine.
1: Yes. There's stuff like that walking around pretty commonly. Like you can, you can go see one of those without too much effort. Um, now there's there's still plenty of just normal light-tailed deer walking around out there, but there's some giants. Right. Right. And so you you're trying to be real careful. Those are extremely valuable. Um and so uh anyways, we backed off and waited till the next morning. Um, go out at first light, pick up blood and follow in 30 yards into the brush. We saw where he laid down and uh pool of blood. He's bleeding pretty good. We still don't know where exactly I hit him, um, mm-hmm. but it seemed like a, a decent shot. Okay. And so we're expecting to find him pretty quickly. And from what we could tell, something had spooked him in the middle of the night and he had mm-hmm. jumped up and was hurting pretty bad and basically kicking stuff. And like, there's the, all the grounds just messed up okay. and it rained the, the night before. So you could tell very distinctly between fresh stuff and not fresh yeah, stuff. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, so anyways, he kicked a bunch of stuff around, but that blood trail just goes cold. 20 oh, feet from, from where he jumped up, no more blood. Can't and find for, him. for
0: those that don't know 4,000 acres, that's enough property that you could yeah. lose this deer.
1: Oh, for, yeah, no doubt. You could, you could lose this deer in, in 200 acres. Yeah. Easy. Right. I mean, they, you'll, you, you'll see in the, in the, in the progress of the story, the way these, especially mature bucks like that, the way they act is um, all the old timers just say that they're, they're like ghosts. And they, they really do have some very reclusive tendencies. Like when things get tense, they retreat into really thick areas and then just don't move. Yeah. They will literally, they'll sit like a statue for hours and hours and hours and not flinch, Mm -hmm. um, in order to just not be detected. And so this guy did some similar stuff to that. Um, so we looked for two, two and a half hours that morning, scoured this entire ridge where he had bedded down, looked all over the place, looking for sign, looking for tracks, looking for blood, looking for anything. And, and you're never nervous. I'm anything. sure you're nervous like crazy oh, this whole time. This at, at this point, like the next morning, it's high, you know, like high tensions the night before, but still hopeful, like good blood we think he's probably going to bed down and die and we're going to find him in the morning. And then Mm -hmm. we look for two and a half hours and don't find anything else. And I'm just going, I'm just beating myself, like get the chance to come down here and, and, you know, then get this extraordinarily rare chance to shoot a deer like this. Mm -hmm. And then he's not, he doesn't die. Um, and you know, just, you're just going what in the world, like, (laughs) where did that shot hit him? Like, where's this deer? We're probably never going to see him again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, anyways, the ranch manager's wife who also works out there, um, here's while we're took a break from looking and uh, I'm like, we're going to be here for three days. I'll just look for this deer for three days. Like, I don't, I'm not going to do something else. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go shoot something else. I would much rather I'll walk around. I'll, I'll walk, Mm -hmm. you know, however many hours until, you know, it's time for me to leave. I'd rather do that than, you know, try to shoot something else. And so, uh, Like I said, ranch manager's wife goes out and is like, well, just tell me where it happened and I'll just go, you know, poke around like fresh set of eyes. Mm -hmm. She I don't know how she found what she found, but nowhere close to where we were, like quarter a mile away in some super thick brush across a ravine finds where he bedded down the next time. Oh, my gosh. Like almost stepped on it. And she's like, I think I found it has to be him. Like there's not something else out here bleeding like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so we get all of a sudden, like, energy's way back let's up go. again. And we're like, let's go get him. So uh, after lunch, we run straight back out there, pick up where she left off, and uh, we start scouring this ridge. We walked oh, – it had probably had to been been um, maybe a third of a mile, half a mile, something like that. Okay. All the way down this ridge, me and the ranch manager are about 100, 100 feet apart from each other, and we're just picking through um, – picking through this brush and you know it was kind of one of those by this point my my prayer had gone from like can we find this deer to like just thanks for letting me do this like Uh thanks for having the opportunity to just like get out here and do this (laughs) and like I'm just gonna dive head first into the thickest brush pile that I see and like hope that he stands up in there you know Uh and so Um, it's cold and I'm sweating and we walk all the way to the main road where so many probably didn't cross that. We turn and move uphill and we're coming back. My friend had stayed on the blood spot and was just like, I'm just going to stand here and stare at the ground and hope that I find another speck of blood somewhere. Uh Right. And so she, she ends up doing that after, after probably half an hour of standing there and just looking at the same piece of ground actually finds one little fleck of blood on a twig. Okay. And it's moving in the opposite direction, of course, from uh-huh. where we had walked. Uh, right. We make our way all the way back to the same area that she's in and start coming down the hill because we'd hit the edge of the property and uh, start coming back down the hill, going to meet back up with her, get in the truck, and then try to figure out what we're going to do next. And because we've never seen, we never saw anything, never heard anything move. And so she hears us walking, but the, like I said, the cedar brush is really thick. And um she hears us walking and like kind of calls to us. And we might have been 20 or 30 yards from her, but mm, okay. couldn't wouldn't have wouldn't have ever seen her. And she goes, like she kind of gives us like, hey guys. And we like kind of stop. And we're like, Yeah. We thought she was just kind of trying to figure out where we were. Mm-hmm. She goes, the next thing out of her mouth was I'm staring at him straight in the eyes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we like we stop. So this deer had been standing there for, at this point, three or four hours. Oh, my with people, gosh. With people walking all around him, talking, looking for stuff, beating the brush, he did not move a muscle. She had moved, she said, less than, less than 30 or 40 feet from where we had started with that blood spot that the ranch manager's wife had found. Oh He's gosh, standing that close. She walks in the opposite direction and gives up because she can't find any more blood and sort of looks up and he's standing, she said, like, probably 15 feet from her. Oh, my gosh, dude.
0: It's unbelievable. I mean, he could have rushed her.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, just a crazy situation. She doesn't have a gun. Uh, me and the ranch manager have our rifles, but she's, she's holding shooting sticks just in case we get into a situation like the day before. Mm-hmm. And so she just stands there. And just stares at this deer, like staring contest for, she said it felt like forever, but it was probably only, you know, four or five minutes and then uh-huh. heard us coming. When we stop after she calls to us, the deer is standing between her and us. And so now we're in this predicament. We're like, we can't take a shot because oh my gosh. she's right
0: she's, behind. On the back,
1: she's right behind the deer. So we're trying to figure out how to do this safely without the deer getting away again. And during the process of her trying to get us lined up and in a decent spot, like verbally trying to mm-hmm. get us moved into a good spot where we can see him take a shot without, you know, endangering her at all, um, the deer breaks and takes off again. And we literally, the, so this ranch manager, like I said, he's he was. Uh, we talked to him about all he was after this. He said he's sixty three. Okay. This man took off like a bull in a china closet. Just like thundering through the cedar brush. And so me and her kind of look at each other and like we just take off running after him. We chased this deer. He's he's bleeding pretty good at this point. So we're able to track him pretty well, but he's in front of us this whole time. Okay. We tracked him for close close to a mile. Ran ran. Oh uh, my after gosh. For close to a mile. Uh for and it took us a long, long time. We'd lose blood, be on the wrong tracks, <laughs> backtrack, find last blood, restart, take off again. Um, he runs a long ways and, uh, we had gotten back into a clearing again and, um, crossed the main road of this ranch and they are looking down and both of them are just better at tracking blood than I am. And mm-hmm. I think it's an experienced thing, but like you could just yeah. tell like their eyes are tuned in for it and they're right. You know, they're picking out everything on the blood trail and he's bleeding pretty good. And so while they're looking down, I just start scanning out in front of us. hmm and just so happened to catch him, probably at eighty five yards. If okay. he yeah. he had bedded down right on the edge of this the next section of cedar brush, and I could see him. He had bedded down, and I could see his antlers turned, looking back and over over his shoulder because he could hear us coming. And I, you know, I kind of uh, said, "There he is." And uh, we stopped, set the sticks up, and uh, I took a shot from from eighty five yards, and he he didn't get up again from there. Man, and, that's uh, awesome. So that was it was a crazy, it was, you know, I think most people think like high fence hunting, like uh shooting fish in a barrel kind of thing. And I think it can be that sometimes, but yeah. Um, this, this was very much not that, uh, yeah. it was, it was intense. It was a uh, lot of roller coaster. Like we're never going to find this deer. Then when you pick up again, um, don't know how still don't, I, I talked to, I talked to that ranch manager's wife the next morning, her name's Michelle. And we talked to her the next morning and I, uh, I was like, I don't know how you found what you found. She was like, that was pure luck. I don't know how. She was like, I just happened to walk right over the top of it. And uh, so, anyways, that's the that's the story. That's that's the story.
0: Man, incredible. So let's just go back through it. It, We'll post a picture if you're okay with it, and send people to your Instagram to be able to check out the deer. Uh, do you get a weight on that thing by any chance? Cause I, I've always heard that deer, the further South you go, you know, I know they're smaller, but, but Texas I've heard has some pretty good deer. So what do you think yeah. the weight was on this, on this buck?
1: We weighed him after he was gutted. Um, mm. so after he was field dressed, um, he was 115 pounds. Okay. Um, nice. So, I don't know what my lights are doing in here, but yeah, they're, they're um, flickering up there. So you so got a good amount I, of meat. You got them
0: uh, in the yeah. freezer now, I guess. And how how does a big old deer taste?
1: So I I've um, the same one that that previously when we gone down there as was four years ago. I killed a uh, killed a buck that was actually older than this. Okay. Um. So this year I think was four years old. the The previous deer that I killed down there was five and a half or six. Okay. Gotcha. Um, which pretty mature for a whitetail. Typically, oh yeah, you definitely. Take, like six year old tails a good deer yeah um they have a practice of letting a deer hang in mm-hmm. a cooler for a few days yeah and if if the meat is dry aged like that especially on the carcass um mm-hmm. so you still have the 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 what's happening with a breakdown of bones and marrow and all that stuff is happening with the meat yeah um as while it's being dry aged man it's it's some of the best meat i've ever had it man is, that's
0: cool outstanding very very cool so let's go back to buck fever i'm sitting in a stand this year and i I wanted to get ransom a deer so we've been out several times with him we got a crossbow and i've got a neighbor that lets me hunt on this property we sat in several different stands and just couldn't get it done with the crossbow so he, he shoots very well when he's got a weighted bag that he's got the the crossbow on and we're sitting in our garage and shooting out 30 40 50 yards with the crossbow into our yard But in the stand, it just was difficult for him, and he missed. And we had a great time, spent a lot of good time. But after I spent some time with him, I went out there, and I I had two or three sits in a row, days in a row. And it was day two. I sat in the exact right spot. And, bro, this deer, so the deer just by sheer weight are a lot bigger up here, not by like Mm -hmm. racks are all the same. But this deer was probably a a four-and-a-half-year-old as well. He didn't have nearly the rack that yours had on him, but he was big, just a big, nice, mature whitetail. And you know that five and a half year is when uh, you know the whitetail are really, really mature. But four or five, six year old deer, I mean, that's a really big, nice deer. This guy comes walking around a tree, and fifteen yards away, and I'm shooting my Hoyt. I've got a Hoyt Carbon Matrix that I'm shooting, and. I, for some reason that day, and this, this is maybe an excuse. I don't know. Maybe it's not an excuse, but for some reason I grabbed last year's release that I had been using and the the release that I'd been shooting all year, I didn't know it was shorter than my release that I shot last year. And I get in that stand and I pull back and when I pull back, everything just felt off. Long story short, it still shouldn't have messed up. I just missed dude. Like I missed from like an absolute chip shot on the nicest deer that I've ever seen in my life. And then that's the one big, you know, kind of like you can't get it back moment where you're probably feeling as you're praying, God, thank you for the opportunity, you know, walking around the field. Thank you. This has been great. You know, I'm going to just enjoy it anyways. So I had to go through that whole process. God, just thank me. Thank you for letting me see a deer like that. Fast forward a month later. I hear from the bathroom, Jordan in our house. Okay, we're in our house. She screams, Jared, come here. And I walk out there and there is a massive, we nicknamed him Bullwinkle, really huge, (laughs) wide deer that was another really mature deer just right in our yard. I go run out to the porch and I grab my crossbow and I'm just doing a freestanding shot. And Tate, I always have this problem with when I'm shooting a handgun, I pull down and to the left is what I do. And mm-hmm. I've missed another deer two years ago that was really nice, freestanding shot. In, in Illinois, you got to shoot with a shotgun, so we've got a rifle barrel shot, twelve gauge. is What I shoot with, and uh, so uh, two years ago I did this. I pulled and I pulled down on my when I shoot a rifle. If I'm freestanding, I pull down, and same thing with that crossbow, dude. I shot the belly of that deer and had a big old poof of white smoke, or white of white uh. fur, right in my yard. No blood at all, just white fur, and it just two incredible deer that both would have been pretty close to the biggest deer I've ever shot in my life. I mean, they would have both been bigger, the biggest I've shot in my life. And they were both about the same size. Oh my gosh, dude. It was just like a, you know, a shot to the heart. And then you're praying it again, really God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you got to do this. I saw that you had some pictures of your family there as well and your kids. So I said, your kids enjoy the whole process. Is your wife like that you're able to do this as well? And what was all that like with the family and celebration and all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I love telling her stories like that where there's I have plenty of those where uh a couple of years ago I I had a morning sit where I was trying to kill a spike uh or a doe and I think I took shots on two or three different deer before I finally was like what am I doing and like just missing stuff with my uh-huh. bow and I finally I think I finally just got angry enough where the next one that walked out i just center punched but mm-hmm. it was like it was just because i was so i was so angry from the previous shots and you're just uh-huh. like why why can i not like i can sit and shoot a target at 40 yards all day in my yard yeah, it's right. no big deal right as soon as an a real animal walks out you you act it's like you've never done this before dude,
0: dude that's exactly <laughs> what it was like and you know what i think happened when i was pulling back on that that first deer I'm thinking that I had like a couple of vibration things that, that dangle on the string and that like keep the, you know, the bow shooting really silent and dampeners. Yeah. Like dampeners. And one of them had a hook on it and it was really far, really low. And I think I was so off that I might've been, instead of you looking through my peep site, I think I might've even have been like, I was just so disoriented that I I'm trying to run through all the scenarios. You know, when you make, when you make a mistake out out in the woods, you're trying to figure out what, what did I do wrong? what, how did I miss? How did, like, what was what factor? And I just, it was just a bad, it was just, for me, it was just a bad shot. But I'm yeah. glad you got the deer. And, you know, I'm I'm glad to hear the story. It's just fun hearing hunting stories like that. So you said it's a once in a lifetime. So do you have an open, are you, are you planning on going back there one day? Because I know that you have these yeah. opportunities that you have on your family's property to hunt every year. Uh, and I yeah. know how it is with with family. There's different life, you know, it's life stages where you can't really hunt as much as you'd like. But uh, yeah. so you going back or is this kind of a, a one and done thing? I know you did a few years ago
1: no we we love going down there, and uh they're good friends of ours they're They're really solid Christians. We have some of the most uh frank, honest conversations of theologically with this particular couple uh of of really some some almost any of our friends um they're really, really interesting people, and un- unfortunately, they don't really live really close to us. they live in austin mm-hmm. um but they're we actually my wife and I are actually um um filling out uh surveys for them like questionnaires. Uh, Cause they're wanting to send their little boy to a, a classical Christian education school oh, there. in there in fantastic. Austin. So uh, really cool stuff. Um, no, we'll definitely be back down there. Even if it's just to go down there and like help people clean deer that they kill or something. I would, yeah, the awesome. place is just, the place is just really, really cool. But to, to answer your previous question, I kind of got distracted, but um, my family loves it. Uh, yeah. My little girl, me and her watch hunting shows when it's me and her, we watch the, the gritty. We might have talked about this on the previous podcast that I was with you. Um, but we watch the gritty hunting shows and uh-huh. she wants, she's like, daddy, I want a bow for my birthday this year. Uh, <laughs> so awful. she'll be, she'll be five in April. So I think she's going to get a bow and some arrows. Um, and she, uh, she wants to kill a bear. Like she, oh, <laughs> she's, great. she's all about it. And, uh, yeah, my, my little boy is not quite to the age where he can fully understand what's going on just yet, but mm-hmm. he's like, it's a big animal laying there and like really wanted to touch it. You know, we got, that was the coolest thing. If you see the picture on my Instagram, if you go look at it, um, that's maybe one of my favorite pictures now, like all of us, we got to bring it, bring it back to the house and bring them out and show them the deer. And they were, they were really fired up to see it. And then they, they got to hang out for, uh, the whole cleaning process and everything too. My daughter's asking questions the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, if you've never done it, um, if you don't center punch, a deer in the heart, um, heart meat is outstanding. Uh, I know the whole organ meat thing has gotten really big here lately where people are Mm -hmm. getting back into eating liver and heart and that kind of thing. Um, deer heart, if you just sear it in butter and like salt and pepper, uh, and don't cook it too much is outstanding. Yeah, I saw
0: the picture you had steak and eggs the next day. I think it was, or heart and eggs or whatever. It was really, really looked really good.
1: It was, it was excellent. So, um, yeah, we're, we're trying to, inculcate them with as much of this like here's where our food comes from like this is what like good this is what it takes to put stuff on the table for us to eat right like, very um, cool she very my cool. daughter knows where steaks come from so
0: yeah that's a good thing well guys this has been a lot of fun i hope you've enjoyed listening in to tate talk about his story and, and getting this deer and get stories like this you know have have stories to tell your kids and grandkids about chasing a deer and you know finally finding it and God answering prayers and and all of that. It's always a good thing to be able to tell people stories like that and and fun for everybody that gets to listen in and appreciate it. Now, uh, I'll have to let you know, Tate, uh, right in front of me, I've got a bear rug and it's a bear I shot in Minnesota a few years ago and got to eat. And uh, it was pretty, it was a pretty fun trip. So if you ever get to go bear hunting, you definitely I have would, to do it. And we'll we'll make sure and I'll try to put the I'll put the Instagram link and if you and the outfitter down there is okay, if there's any big game hunters or any anybody that's out and, and want to do some hunting down in Texas, I'll put a link and all that kind of stuff in the show notes as well. So anything else man before we get get off here?
1: Thanks for for having me on. Thanks for letting me tell the story. It uh it kind of it'll help me too. I'll be able to take this and sh- and and show my boy someday too. So I'm, yeah. I look forward to things like that. Yeah, if if yeah. you're doing stuff like this, keep that long-term thing in the back of your head. I'm, I'm talking, I'm preaching to the choir when I say that, but um, man, the, the, the legacy of this stuff is, is really, really cool. I love hearing my grandfather's old hunting stories. And so um, you get, if if you're doing this, you're probably going to be a grandfather someday and you're going to have some, some grandchildren that are going to want to hear those stories. So keep that in the back of your mind.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, guys, we've been talking to Tate Taylor, man. I appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Appreciate you having me. Thanks
0: again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. For more information, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. And if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.